Welcome, Sojourners. You have found yourself a cozy place here at Sojourners Awake. I'm Jonathan, and this is our production of The Wild and the Wind. But first, a brief note from myself. Hello, Sojourner. I made a mistake. Normally, during our games, I record everything via a recording service and then save the file. Later on, I will edit using a video software and add edits and effects like music and ambiance from tabletop audio. By now you can see where my gravest mistake was made. I don't know what happened. Normally everything is recorded as we play the game throughout the evening. This time, it didn't happen. I would like to think that a gremlin from Dreamland snuck into our house and disabled a few settings on my computer. Or maybe an imp enticed me to rush through the setup. Either way, the blame still lies with me. After experiencing the grief of loss, because how else am I supposed to produce this podcast without a recording? And worse, how will I even remember what happened in the game? I don't normally take notes in the game. I want to stay focused and I have greatly relied on this recording feature. So here is what I have decided. Together, as a group, we will review the game and recount the wonderful adventure the four of us had that evening. That's Eris, Samoon, Birdie, and of course myself. Then I will write out a short story of everything that happened in narrative format. So what you are listening to will be a recount of the actual play adventure as an audio drama. As you listen, I thank you for being here, and I trust the attention you give will not go unrewarded. In the spirit of making all things new. And so for now, our story continues. The Wild and the Wind Starring Sarah as Eris, Mike as Samoon, and Ellen as Bertie Cartwright. In the late evening, the cool spring wind rides along the corkscrew highway. From Boshan to Greenfield, folks travel up and down the well-worn road. As the sun settles beyond the horizon, the sojourners deviated from the path and set up camp under an old oak tree. The young Ganassi man started rolling out his bed. He spread a wrinkled blanket over the fresh green grass. Samoon places his hands on his hips and draws in a deep draught of spring air. Ah, it is so good to be back in the warmer weather again. Samoon then takes in another deep breath, stretches out his arms, and falls backwards upon his bedspread. Already asleep, Bertie Cartwright rolls over, nearly kicking her shoeless foot into the campfire. An ember sparks and lands a faint shard of flame on her hairy foot. She doesn't stir, but continues to dream of magic tricks and life in the Northern Kingdom. Just a few days ago, the Sojourners had set out from Baldtop Library. 
Their mission was to escort Thomas Riverwell, also called Irony, to his new home in Grovelore. Irony, a young man with infernal heritage, had made a grave error in bypassing the security of the bookends within the library during one of his tours. And for that, he was terminated from his position. In shame, he packed his bags. But one of the bookends, Hawkins, offered him a sliver of hope in his destitution. To travel to the Northern Kingdom and subject himself to the halls of dwarves in Grovelore Citadel. Certainly, that is a better direction than despair. Hawkins' persuasion did the trick and sent the young man towards hope. However, the roads proved to be dangerous, especially with the uprisings in Boshan, where anyone was suspect of being a noble, helping a noble, or simply standing in the way of Lord Basile. And for that reason, Irony hired Eris as a bodyguard, a fit woman with a cool head and yet beautiful. Irony's family money had gone to good use. Now Eris stood with the party as they camped out for the night. However, she did not remove her armor. Her shield lay close by, and rapier sheathed at her side. The smell of rabbit stew lingered in the smoke. Her eyes scanned the nearby highway. The breeze maintained its warm touch. A caravan of wagons and donkeys ambled on throughout the dusk. Nothing more than simple merchants, not even armed, she noticed. Later on, a single cart led by a horse moved slowly in the waning light, and though she could not identify the religion, she noticed him as a circuit priest. The evening finally gave one last yawn and rested into night. Eris sighed. Eris sits just outside the waning ring of firelight, breathing deep the cool night air. Her eyes scan the road, though she is at peace, expecting no trouble, yet vigilant just in case. The gleam of her tempered breastplate is hidden beneath her white, fur-lined cloak, her rapier splayed across her lap, her shield resting by her side. Suddenly. She heard a snap in the woods. Instantly, she drew her hand to her weapon. Behind her, a frosted pattern expanded upon the oak tree, forming rogue icicles on one of the branches. Something stirs in the wind. This is no natural spring draft. No one invited the winter wind, but yet with his approach, the wind chilled the campsite. A thin and muscular figure dressed in black and blue stepped boldly from the forest. Snow and ice concealed his skin and laced his beard with frost. Heavy fog exhaled with each breath, and he bore a mischievous fairy smile. He held up his hand to speak, but with the other branched into an icy sword. Greetings, sojourners. I am Jack Frost, Prince of Winter, of Dreamland I come. I am searching for Trina, 
and believe you know of her whereabouts. Hand her location over to me, and I will allow your mortality to avoid an early termination. He spoke the last part with an attempt at menace, but throughout his speech, Eris's stone expression did not shift, even with his dynamic eloquence. Eris did not need to announce an intruder. With such an entrance, not considering the devilish drop in temperature, the sojourners all aroused. Samoon responded to the wind's call to action and lifted himself to his feet. Birdie shivered underneath the thin blanket and sat up startled, with her shaggy hair matted to one side. Hey guys! Knowing that this Fey Lord meant business, Samoon rushed over to Irony, hoping to move him to safety. Jack Frost belligerently demanded to know Traina's location. Eris readied her blade, poised for defense, and claimed ignorance of this situation. She stated calmly and clearly, the Fey was mistaken. Well met, O Prince of Winter. We welcome you to our fire. But I warn you, tread carefully, for I do not take the threat of death lightly. Speak civilly, and let us come to a peaceful resolution. He turned his head from the bodyguards gazed, and looked over his shoulder to see Bertie Cartwright stumbling over. You tell me, where is Trina? Only lend me her location, and I will put away my blade and my magic. Hey, um, Mr. Cold Guy, uh, we don't know where Trina is at. Um, can you just leave us alone? Jack Frost could now see words were not winning. I can see now that you hold no honor for my words. Let me move to a demonstration. Oh, good. He looks to Bertie and calls upon the fairy magic. Snow quickly swirls from his feet and then cyclones around the young henfolk. Her hair whipped up along with her body, lifting quickly off the ground. Then with a snap of his fingers, Jack Frost banished Bertie from Bonsarel and she disappeared from sight. Eris drew in a steady breath. She assessed the Feylord fought with no regards to honor. This would be a fight indeed. While his attention lay on the face of Bertie, she threw her shield to her side and prepared to engage. Jack Frost raised his icy blade and looked towards the bodyguard. Now, he smiled, where were we? And quick as the winter storms, he struck out at her. The blade shattered against the shield, but instantly reformed from the icy particles, forming back into the sword in his hand. He clicked his tongue and then struck to her side. She quickly parried it off with her own blade, steel clashing against ice. A single line of blood drips from Eris's forehead, where a piece of Jack's shattered blade nicked her. She hardly seems to notice it, as instinct and action take over. But though this indolent fey lord has struck first, 
She seeks not his blood, if she can still resolve this conflict peaceably. With a quick forward flourish, Eris strikes, weaving her blade within Jack's defenses in an attempt to disarm him. Her attempt failed, however, but though she did not render her attacker weaponless, the tip of her sword sinks deep into his shoulder. Return the halfling to us, she snarled, as she readies for the next clash of blades. Over the campfire, Samoon could hardly keep Irony from the danger. Samoon rushes over to Irony's tent, opens the flap, and yells, Phineas! Wangus! Get up! We have an issue out here! Jack Frost is attacking us! Uh, what's that? Oh, Samoon's having nightmares again. He's telling tales. Be quiet, Samoon. No more lying. What? I am not lying. You need to get out of here. No! We're, we're under attack. Come on, Wangus, let's get out of here. Oh, Samoon, check out Eris. Whoa, look at her go. Whoa, yeah, that's awesome. Irony, you need to get away from here. It is not safe for you. Oh, it's plenty fine safe. I just want to watch this fight. It's okay. We can hang back. She's got it covered. Oh, look at her go. I cannot focus on two things at once, my friend. Please run that my attention may be on this attacker. Your attention? Irony turns away from the fight and looks at Samoon. I don't need your attention. I don't need anything. Irony's eyes welled up with hot tears and he tore his glance away from Samoon. He halfway stomped and ran through the lee of the forest. In actuality, he was far from the intruder, but Samoon's mind still wondered for his safety. The two dwarves did not need as much convincing. At the word of danger and with Samoon's urgent recommendation, they drove away toward the highway, promising we'll to find help. Stay alive! When Samoon turned back, he did not see Bertie, but saw Eris and Jack Frost locked in mortal combat. Once Irony has left, Samoon turns around with his staff at the ready and rushes headlong at Jack. With the wind pushing at his back, he makes a succession of quick attacks, the first of which is a hard jabbing strike to Jack's side, which is chased by the discharge of a thunderous roar. The second attack is a raking sweep across the chest, followed by an immediate third, final jabbing strike that misses, however, as Jack Frost quickly moved his head. After Samoon brought the others to safety, he joined the fray and delivered a painful strike to Jack. Now seeing he is outnumbered, Jack Frost calls upon his fairy magic where a blade would not do. He begins to hum a lullaby that deeply enchants a ninth level sleep spell. Samoon and Eris begin to succumb to the magic, but Eris takes the brunt of it. Samoon shakes his head and is able to withstand the magic, but Eris feels her knees becoming weak, her eyelids becoming heavy. Her rapier drops to the ground. She stumbles face first into the grass, fast into an enchanted sleep. Now with Eris out of the fight, Jack Frost lowers his blade and meets Samoon's gaze. With Birdie not in sight, it is just simply the young Ganassi man 
and the Fey Prince of Winter. He does not keep his eyes firmly fixed on Samoon. He glances left and right, as if he's making sure Birdie stays where she is. He looks behind him to make sure Eris stays asleep. His voice becomes gentle as he attempts to parlay with Samoon, once again asking for the location of Traina. Samoon does not give in and continues to tarry in the conversation. Jack's temper flares when suddenly, Bertie reappears in a puff of snow and ice. Without any hesitation, Bertie saunters over to the prince and speaks. Hey, uh, Jack, I have an, I have an idea. We don't know where Trina is at, but I know somebody who might know where Trina's at. Well, there's this guy named Vaughn. He is a bookend over at Bald Top Library. I think you should go over there. I, I know that that's where he likes to hang out. He hangs out for the, the gym, in the gym of muscles. Samoon generates an idea. While Birdie informs Jack that he can find Traina with Vaughn at Bald Top Library, Samoon cleverly interjects, stating that certainly Traina has made for the desert already. Bertie picks up on the ruse and argues with Samoon, saying that he shouldn't reveal Traina's true location. Samoon and Bertie continue to quarrel, pulling the energy away from the disgruntled prince. Hmm. It does make sense that she would head into the desert to get as far away from her as possible. Eris's eyes flutter open. Her muscles flaccid and head dizzy, she now rises from her slumber. Realizing swords are of no use, and being unable to withstand the everlasting magic from the fairy prince, she reasons that the time has come for a different approach. Head swimming, muscles still weak, Eris rises to her feet. Furious with herself for succumbing to the enchantment and leaving her companions in danger. Her blood is boiling as she rises to her full height, breathes deeply, and calls upon the holy fire within. She blinks once, and when her eyes open, they burn with radiant light. Spectral, feathered wings burst from beneath her cloak, and her skin glows like the stars above. She raises her shield and levels her blade locking eyes with the Fae. I suggest you take the halfling's advice and leave. Eris stood up. Ready to end this conflict, she manifested her celestial powers. As her eyes crackled with light and her body illuminated beneath her armor, Jack Frost became overcome with emotion. Oh my, it's beautiful. He claimed, she had given him a gift, and with such a gift, he would return the favor by ending this conflict. He patted his bloody shoulder with affection, and now taking the sojourners at their word, he turned and walked eastward, towards the desert. The party settled in peace until, out of the night, the two dwarves returned, very loudly. 
Throwing a casket of whiskey into the campfire, with a large explosion, they tumbled out of the wagon, crossbows aimed at the ready. With loud shouts, they invoked the name of Morageddon, father of all dwarves. Phineas and Wangus prepared for battle. Hey guys, don't waste all the whiskey, come on! Aye, I guess we missed the battle, huh? Yeah, you did. Oh, I guess I did too. Eris watched as the icicle melted from the tree. Steadily dripping, the water splashed into her open hand. Then she flicked it away and asked, Where's Irony? Oh, that would be my doing. I'm not sure where he is, but I told him that he needed to get away for his own protection. I think I really upset him. When he left, though, he went off that way somewhere. So he went off into the woods? It's not safe out there. There are wolves. Never mind. I'll go find him. Eris kneels over the brush Samoon indicated, and after a moment is able to discern his tracks. She follows the wayward tiefling into the forest and finds him in a clearing. Relieved, she bids him return to the fire, for it is safe now, but accidentally offends him by suggesting he was afraid. I'm not afraid! Unsure of how to handle his outburst, she apologizes, but suggests his anger might reveal a deeper truth he is trying to deny, and insists that he return with her. They head back to the camp in silence. Bertie sat with the two dwarves and Samoon, now at the resurrected campfire. The alcohol burst in surprise flares, lighting up their faces in the night. Finally, Samoon broke the silence and asked, Whew, well, I am glad that's over. Hey Bertie, where did Jack Frost send you anyways? Bertie leaned back, placed her frost-bitten feet up on the remains of the cask, and started telling the story. And so for now, our story concludes. Every story comes to an ending, so for now we must conclude. Thank you for listening, Sojourners. Your attention will not go unrewarded, and we look forward to continuing this adventure. If you enjoyed this background music and ambiance, visit Tabletop Audio at www.tabletopaudio.com. If you are curious to know just where exactly Bertie Cartwright went off to, make sure to leave a rating and review and share this podcast with a friend. That'll give her all the energy she needs to relay her story around the campfire. But however you choose to sojourn with us, as always, may your story continue. <laughs>